0: You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show.
1: Welcome to the Half A Bird Sports Show. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to ride with us, and we appreciate that. It's Solo Monday, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. As always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. So today, I will discuss Big Zeke wants this money, but will the Cowboys actually pay the man? Team USA might have to fill is rostered with college players man making a sacrifice do you really think that russell westbrook can and what was up with zion shoe deal with team brand jordan and lynn says he's suffering do you have any sympathy for the man and good to have you in today on a solo Monday myself and Jimmy was up doing what we do on the show giving you the latest and greatest in sports sports news and sporting opinions uh, you might be wondering why I'm flying solo on Monday that is because Jay and I's 200th episode of the half a bird sports show is coming up this weekend so this is actually what I'm doing today episode 199 and we wanted to make sure that we did the 200th episode together we got some special things planned for that episode do I think that we would ever reach 200 episodes when we started this show. Hell no, but we did it anyway. It's been a lot of fun. The show is strong as ever. We appreciate your support. So we're going to give you that 200th show coming up this weekend. But today we start where everybody else started in cowboy land. Zeke Elliott um, officially is holding out of camp. He did not report to camp on Friday or Saturday. Uh, This is day four of his holdout as he is seeking a new contract from the Dallas Cowboys. And when it comes to contract holdouts, I like to see it from a player's perspective. Uh, now, I said on the last show, in general, I don't like holdouts. I prefer that the player actually be there in camp and participate in workouts, You know, get through the playbook, be with his teammates, and negotiate while that's happening because that's been done before. As a matter of fact, that's what Julio Jones for the Falcons is doing right now. So I'm not in favor of holdouts, but I, what I've said of Zeke was if you are going to hold out, Go all the way with it. Don't come back to the field until you are getting the money that you feel like you deserve. So don't waste your time. Don't waste your team's time by holding out and then caving in and coming back until you feel like you're going to get the money that you deserve. But the question is, if you're in the front office of the Dallas Cowboys, should you pay Zeke Elliott the kind of money that he's wanting Now what he's wanting is a contract That surpasses right now the current Richest contract for NFL running backs Which is Todd Gurley's four year $58 million contract $45 million guaranteed So the Cowboys have sent him an offer And he has not responded to it Which is basically his way of saying you know, <laughs> This offer is garbage How dare you even send this to me I'm not even going to dignify your offer Your initial offer with a response So there's a bit of a stalemate in that regard But Michael Irvin, who's been on the sports talk, sports radio segment, feels that Dallas needs Zeke to win and that the Dallas star is not the star without Zeke. And if they want to win a championship, they have to have him. So you have to ask yourself, is he right? My opinion is, no, he's wrong for this reason. Actually, for a lot of reasons. But when you look at the last five to six to seven Super Bowl winners, I mean, who was the leading rusher on each one of those teams? If I gave you the names, there would be players that you're kind of familiar with, but players nowhere near at the top of the running back position, players like Sony Michelle, last year rookie for the New England Patriots, uh, Garrett Blunt, who was the leading rusher for New England when they won two championships ago against the Falcons and was a leading rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles when they beat the Patriots that following year. Uh, Ronnie Hillman was a leading rusher when the Denver Broncos won the championship. That was 2015-2016. Uh, believe it was 16. And Jonas Gray <laughs> was the leading rusher for the Patriots the season when they beat Seattle in 2014 um, in that Super Bowl. And, no, you don't need – a great running back like Ezekiel Elliott to win in a passing league which is what the NFL is right now you can win with the running back by committee as a matter of fact that's the smarter way and the cheaper way to do it and that helps protect you from injury at the running back position because you have three or four different running backs who are getting playing time who are getting touches who know the playbook so that if one goes down you have three that can come right up and feel that position and in Dallas you have a great offensive line so The majority of starting running backs, probably every starting running back in the NFL right now could rush for over a thousand yards behind that great offensive line, (laughs) which is anchored by Travis Frederick, Zach Martin and the all time great left tackle Tyron Smith. And that's a that's part of the reason why Zeke Elliott has led the NFL in rushing yards per game in the last three years, which is not to say that he's I mean, he's a great running back. We all know that. But a big part of the reason why he's able to do that is his Dallas offensive line. And. The Dallas Cowboys last year, when you think about it, before they got Amari Cooper, they weren't going to the playoffs. I believe they were 3-4 and four before they got Amari Cooper in the trade and got him on the field. So that kind of makes it seem as though, yeah, it's good to have Zeke. He'll put up his numbers, but in terms of how he affects the offense— Maybe he doesn't affect the offense quite as much as you think. Maybe having a receiver who makes Dak Prescott comfortable, who he can rely on and trust in Amari Cooper, is just as valuable as having a great running back like Ezekiel Elliott. So if I'm in the front office of the Dallas Cowboys and I'm on the fence about whether or not to give Zeke Elliott the kind of contract that he wants because he is a great running back, but this could affect me and affect my ability to pay other players leading down the line. The thing that will push me over the fence onto the side of not giving him the kind of contract he wants is the off the field issues that he has had, you know, every other season the last one or two seasons. But this past um, offseason where you push the security guard over and somehow, even though he got handcuffed, didn't get arrested and did not get penalized by the NFL. This was just a, a weird offseason, especially how Tyreek Hill didn't get penalized, how The NFL kind of took it softer on guys this year, um, this offseason with suspensions or not suspensions than they have in recent memory. But those off the field issues make me feel like I can't trust him with one of the richest contracts a running back has ever received. Probably the richest contract a running back has ever received in NFL history. So I believe that you only pay a player elite money if they are necessary, not if they are great. So a quarterback is necessary. I'm paying my quarterback. A defensive end to get the opposition's quarterback is necessary. I'm paying the defensive end. The left tackle, to protect my quarterback, keep him upright and keep him healthy, I'm paying him. Maybe the middle linebacker who's sort of the coach of the defense, um, if that's what he is. And if he's sideline to sideline, maybe him. But outside of that... Sure, I want great players in other positions. I want a great kicker. I want a great wide receiver. I want a great cornerback. I want a great running back. But I'm not going to pay you money that hamstrings my organization from being able to put other good players around you, the players that I've drafted, developed, and I'm going to have to pay later on. Case in point, like I said, the Dallas Cowboys. If you give Zeke the kind of money that you want, 45 to 50 million guaranteed, how does that affect your ability over the next three to four years to play other great players that you have, like Leighton Vanderish, like Jalen Smith, both you know really astounding linebackers, like Byron Jones, who has emerged as a really good safety, and other players? You still have to keep your offensive line together. Dak still wants his money. He wants upwards of thirty-five million per season, and Amari Cooper. Because of the effect that he had on the team, he wants his money as well. So you got to pay all these players. you got to try to keep these guys in-house in order to compete for championships in the NFC where there are other really good teams outside of yours, and that will affect your ability to do that if you hold on to Ezekiel Elliott and give him the kind of money that he wants. So if I'm in the front office of Dallas, for those reasons, as much as I want to keep him and as great as he is, I don't do it. I can't do it. I cannot mortgage the future Over a contract with a running back who has off the field issues like he does and is wanting break the bank type money for the running back position because the running back market is all screwed up. Ty Gurley should have never gotten the contract that he got, and that has totally screwed things up. So I would fix it by not giving Zeke Elliott the kind of money he wants, or I trade him. I trade him to a team who I know is going to pay him but not go anywhere with him, like the Houston Texans. I trade him for Lamar Miller or to the Miami Dolphins. I trade him for Kenyon Drake. Who would rush for over a thousand yards and receive for over three to four hundred yards behind my offensive line and my offense? But whatever you do, you don't pay him. But one thing that we do like to do on the Half a Bird Sports Show, which means we have to pay people to help us do it, is the news. And now Jimmy has the news. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, so this is where you know things are going bad for the team. USA basketball team was going to compete in the World Cup here in a few weeks Um, they reached out to New Orleans Pelicans um, guard J.J. Redick who told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski on Friday that he would not accept the invitation to join the depleted USA basketball roster for the FIBA World Cup in September now we talked about this last week about how many players had uh, declined the option to join this team Uh, really good players and they still have some good players on the team but if J.J. Redick turns you down then you know honestly you might want to consider in the future going with college basketball players who would play for team usa they would be honored to do it in a way that nba players wouldn't be honored to do it for this particular event the world cup now next year in the 2020 olympics they're going to get their big guys lebron's probably going to be there anthony davis kevin durant Hill might be there Kawhi leonard they're going to get their big dogs and they're going to go and they're going to win the gold, the gold medal as they have the last three to four times but um Hopefully that's the way it turns out, but it's just not worth it for a lot of these players. That's what they're saying. It's not worth it playing in this particular event, the world cup, which is just receding, not for a gold medal where I'm risking millions of dollars. If I get hurt playing in this tournament, that I'm not going to be equally compensated for by the NBA or by the U S government or by whoever is over the Olympics or the Olympic committee. So it's not worth it anymore. And that's what they're trying to tell them. So maybe there's a way that they can offset that up Next, as if things couldn't get worse for New York Giants fans who are already depleted at wide receiver. You trade away Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns. They lost Corey Coleman to a torn ACL, who's a good athlete, brought him in to be a receiver. And now Golden Tate has been given a four-game ban by the NFL for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing substances. Now, Tate was banned for a substance that was prescribed uh, fertility medication um, that he had actually told the league about And then once he figured out that there was a banned Substance within that medication he stopped taking it But they still plan to, su- to suspend him anyway He has a scheduled appeal for August sixth, And a resolution is expected before The start of the regular season Meaning basically that they're still going to suspend him Anyway so Giants fans Be prepared for that uh, Also I forgot Sterling Shepard who has a fractured thumb Um, He's still been working out, but it's going to cost him three to four weeks. He may not be ready for the first game of the season against the Cowboys for the Giants. So what this tells me, um, even though this is probably what it already should tell you, is that they were going to run Saquon Barkley into the ground, and now they have no choice but to run him into the ground by giving him 25 to 30 touches a game. And they're going to be picking in the top three next year because this is not going to be a good season for them at all, especially if they continue to have Eli Manning under center. Lastly, um, you know, in, in a really frustrating uh, segment, uh, Bengals star wide receiver AJ Green is likely going to be out for six to eight weeks after he tore ligaments in his left ankle. Left ankle, I'm sorry. In training camp practice, I believe it was on Saturday, he's not expected to be ready for the regular season opener, September 8th at Seattle, which is going to be a loss. And it was so bad that he actually had to be carted off the field. This is their first training camp practice of the season. Uh, In Dayton, Ohio Now Tyler Boyd, a really good receiver for the Bengals Said that the field conditions In which they were practicing in Were pretty poor and that may have had something to do with the injury But one of the things I always notice about AJ Green And I don't know if anybody else has Whenever you watch him play, notice the shoes Notice the cleats that he wears It always looks like he's wearing track cleats Cleats that have really no ankle support And I've noticed that for years and for that reason it's no surprise to me that he's dealt with numerous foot and now ankle injuries because it seems like he may not be wearing the right shoes and I know a lot of players opt to use those kind of shoes because um, it helps them to be faster on the field You know, which only helps their production but for somebody like AJ Green since he's had these lower leg injuries it seems like he probably needs to consider a change in footwear on the field because those ankle cleats that he's wearing aren't cutting it and with that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Bob. All right, so up next, uh, there was a story that came out last week. uh, An NFL – sorry, NBA coach sounded off on what has been happening in the NBA, what I call forced player mobility, where essentially a player forces a trade off of a team, and not even off the team, but to a specific team. Uh, So we've seen this in recent memory with Kawhi Leonard, with Paul George – With Kyrie Irving And in particular with Anthony Davis Who Kerr spoke about Here's what Kerr said in part About the Anthony Davis trade Um, He says And this was on the Warriors Insider Podcast He says I'm talking more about the Anthony Davis Situation when he says Forced trades have become a real problem for the league Where a guy is perfectly healthy And has a couple years left on his deal And says I want to leave That's a real problem that the league has to address And that players have to be careful with He goes on to say, when you sign on the dotted line, you owe your effort and your play to that team, to that city, to the fans. And then it's completely your right to leave as a free agent. But if you sign a contract, then you should be bound to that contract. Now, the majority of people who have talked about this have said that Anthony Davis essentially did nothing wrong by taking his future into his own hands. And essentially telling the New Orleans Pelicans I'm not going to sign an extension with you If you trade me to anywhere other than the L.A. Lakers I'm going to play on my contract for that team But I'm not going to sign an extension with them And I'm only considering signing a longer term deal With the L.A. Lakers Which in effect forced the Pelicans Once David Griffin became the GM To trade him uh, for some good players And some picks to the L.A. Lakers this offseason So you have to ask yourself Is Steve Kerr right? Is this bad for the league? Is this a real problem? And the more and more I think about it, and I try to be fair to both sides, I think that he's right. I think that it is bad for the league when players do have years left on their contract to force a trade um, with years remaining on that contract. Because what do these contracts mean at all if a player is able to force himself out of town even though he has years left on his contract now part of who i have to blame for this is the nba owners themselves because you have other options besides caving in to that particular player um and those options aren't necessarily good options but there's still options to where you don't have to end up get it, giving them what they want because now it's set a precedent because now we see this more and more to where a player wakes up and a player on the team was mean to him or they don't like the coach or they rather live somewhere else and they essentially go to the team and say trade me now the team doesn't have to do that but the more and more that teams give into them the more and more players are going to do this and yeah it's going to be on the players but it's going to be on the owners as well but I think Steve Kerr is right the more and more I try to think myself out of believing that he's right the more convinced I am that he actually is mean, um, I thought, honestly, that this was free, what free agency was for. I thought free agency was sort of built-in player mobility across sports to where when a player has played out their contract with the team and they're no longer under that contract, therefore, that they have the right to go wherever they want, which I have absolutely no problem with. I think that's the natural way things should be done. Um, but I got to tell you, the reasoning behind why a lot of these players are choosing to move on, I mean, it's kind of petty. It's kind of sensitive. Like, these millennials, they're kind of hard to please, you know, it is like you have to walk on eggshells around them, give them every single thing they want, or else they're going to force themselves out of town with years remaining on their contract. Now, I don't like that this came from Steve Kerr in particular because I don't really like Steve Kerr. I think that he's he's got to prove that he's actually a good coach. What he did with Mark Jackson's players by basically rolling the basketball out there and telling. Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, you have the green light, move the ball around, run in transition, and people think he's a great coach. I don't think that makes him a great coach. I think now we're going to see, without Kevin Durant there to save the team and bail the team out um, by being able to beat LeBron, I think we're really going to see if Steve Kerr can actually coach. And the thing that I didn't like about Steve Kerr is he, he's too, he jokes too much. He was joking too much in press conferences. Everything was a joke to him because everything was so easy. I mean, you have – a Hall of Fame team, basically, that's making your job easy. Hell, Luke Walton went what, 36-4, and 39-4 with that team. So you don't have to be a great coach in order to do well with the Golden State Warriors with the roster that they had. So for that reason, I would have preferred that this came from Adam Silver. And I think to that point, Adam Silver has said that this player tampering um, – you know, how teams and players have violated when free agency was actually supposed to start and these forced trades are bad for the league. I don't know what their solution to this particular problem is, but I think it is a bad look for the league and it's continuing to set a bad precedent by players who have years remaining on their contract to really not honor that contract and to force trades and to ma- be public about it as Anthony Davis was giving his team, giving the Pelicans 10 days before the trade deadline to trade him and it became just this shitstorm. Um, that played the Lakers and the Pelicans throughout the rest of the season. It wasn't a good look for him at all. So for that reason, I think that Steve Kerr does have a point and that they need to come up with some sort of solution. My solution for the players, take this into your own hands. And when you are able to, I like how they do these two-in-one deals. Um, where the last year is a player option, so if they go to a team on a two and one, and they don't really like where things are going, or you know a three year deal, opt out after two years, which is what Kawhi and Kawhi Leonard can do with his Clippers contract, then I think that that gives them sort of room to get to free agency and take control of their own destiny quicker, as opposed to forcing themselves out of town with years remaining on their contract. So that's what I think. I know a lot of people disagree. But that's what I truly believe. Something is really wrong with this and the players and the owners need to come to, I guess, an agreement in terms of reforming the way that this is done, because I don't think that this sets up a bright future for the league if you have players continuing to do this. Okay, Half-A-Bird Sports Show, everybody. Thank you for listening. As always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. We are on Stitcher, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, Half-A-Bird Show Twitter page, Half-A-Bird Show website, iHeartRadio, and anywhere podcasts are downloaded and listened to. Russell Westbrook, this past weekend, Friday, had his introductory press conference as a new member of the Houston Rockets. And in this, he talked about certain sacrifices that must be made in order for him to fit on this team. So in regards to that, he says this, talking about James Harden, he says, we've been friends for many, many years, since I was 10, actually. So we've played with each other in Oklahoma City. And to be able to win something, you've got to be willing to sacrifice some parts of your game. And we both understand that we both understand that we have one common goal and that's to win a championship. We understand what we have to do. I'm not worried about it. And I know James isn't worried about it. I can play off the ball. I don't have to touch the ball to impact the game. That's the best way for me to come in and impact this team. I can do other things on the floor to make sure we have a better chance to win. So when thinking about Russell Westbrook having to sacrifice in order for this team to be successful, you know, I thought about What is it that he truly needs to sacrifice? Because what I think he needs to sacrifice could be completely different than what he feels like he needs to sacrifice, but it's so obvious what he's going to have to give up in order to be successful on this team. Now to be successful on this team for this to work to me means that this team has to at least get to the Western conference finals because they made it to the second round last year. And as you know, got bounced by the Golden state warriors. So to me, working is not getting as far as you've gotten to me working is, is getting further than you have which is at least getting back to the western conference finals and in order to do that that means that you're going to have to at some point in the playoffs you're going to have to beat the la lakers or the la clippers or the go-to-state warriors the utah jazz or the portland trailblazers and honestly i don't think that they're going to beat either of those teams if they meet them in the playoffs, assuming that those teams are healthy and have their main guys. I don't. I don't think that they're better than any of those teams with the free agency acquisitions that we have seen this summer. So that, to me, is successful. That's part of the reason why I said on last Monday's show that this is not going to work, that it's not going to work between Russell Westbrook and Harden because they're not going to get further than they've already gotten. As a matter of fact, they'd be lucky to get out of the first round of the playoffs, honestly. But with Russ, what he's willing to sacrifice in order for this team to be successful here's what he has to sacrifice first thing he has to sacrifice is the three-point shooting uh last season he averaged 5.6 three-point attempts a game made 1.6 so he's got to sacrifice three-pointers that we know he's going to miss for other players on the team who know how to hit those threes because this is a three-point shooting team we know that already PJ Tucker can hit three, so can Eric Gordon, so can James Harton. So I'm going to need him to average around 3.6 to 4 three point attempts a game um, in order to give those extra 1 to 2 to 3 three pointers a game to somebody else who actually stands a better chance of hitting them. So that's the first thing he's got to be willing to sacrifice. And he's got to be also willing to sacrifice not taking bad, ill advised shots early in the shot clock you know when the team has barely even gotten a chance to get down on the offensive end to set up the play he's got to give that up because that's wasted energy that's wasted efficiency and usually he ends up missing those shots too so he's got to be willing not to do that but that's the problem that's his default that's those are sort of the, the default flaws in his game taking threes he doesn't need to take and taking shots early in the shot clock that should not be taken that's his game that's who he is so that's why this experiment with the Houston Rockets and James Harden, it's going to work for a while. It's going to be new. You know, they're probably going to have a fast start, 10-3, and 12-3. It's going to look great. People are going to be really hyped about it, but eventually teams will adjust. They'll figure out what they're doing, and then when they go on a losing streak at some point, because all teams tend to three or four games or so, or when Harden is not getting the shots that he wants, and when the offense just isn't clicking the way Mike D'Antoni wants to, he's going to default to what he is because that's what everybody does. You default in times of crisis to who and what you truly are. So that's what Russell Westbrook is going to be. And that's going to be a big part of the reason why it's not going to work. Do I want it to work? Yes, because I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. I love him. To see him in person is just incredible night after night. I want him to get a ring to shut up some of the critics who have basically defined his game by his flaws, not by what he does great. You know, which is what I'm not trying to do here because he does a lot of great things, but he's got to change and not do those things that I mentioned in order for this team to really take the next step with him because they're capable of doing that if he is willing to sacrifice that instead of by him meaning sacrifice, meaning I'm just going to take two or three less shots a game. That's not good enough. That's not going to help to get you over the hump. So that's what I what I think about that. So we'll see what he does end up sacrificing. But I'm telling you ahead of time, it's not going to work. He's probably not going to sacrifice the right things. Now, up next, and I can't believe no one really talked about this last week, the the, the shoe deal that Zion Williamson signed signed with with Jordan Brand for seven years, $75 million, which is a record for a rookie, a record shoe contract for a rookie, which is great, and I think he deserves it because of the star, because of the celebrity, because of the uh, impact that he is going to have on the ratings this year in the NBA. I think he does deserve that. I mean, obviously he does because they're willing to pay him. But at the same time, in Jordan Brand, they're notorious for this. At the same time, even though he set a record for seven years, seventy-five million dollars shoe deal, they still lowballed him. They still lowballed him, and they, like I said, they've been known for doing this because they lowballed Kawhi Leonard on his shoe deal—the deal that he wanted, the deal that he probably deserved. They lowballed him too, forcing him to go to New Balance of all brands, which I don't even know they still existed. But seven years, $75 mil for for Zion here's how I look this here's how I frame it Kevin Durant his current shoe deal was 10 years 300 million dollars so we'll say 30 million a year with Zion's shoe deal he's what gonna get 10 mil plus a year now I know that Kevin Durant is obviously he's more accomplished in the league he's been around for close to a decade and Zion technically hasn't even played one regular season NBA minute so he's got a lot to prove and he's still very young but just in terms of how excited people are to see him, his freak athleticism, and the kind of impact he can have on the game. Don't you think that he deserved a shoe contract that was a little more than one-fourth of the shoe contract Kevin Durant got? Because I'm telling you, he's not one-fourth the star of Kevin Durant. As a matter of fact, more people like Zion Williamson right now than they like Kevin Durant, even though Kevin Durant's no longer the villain, really, since he's in Brooklyn. Still, everybody is you know, in love with Zion Williamson. So I think that they should have gave him at least 100 to 150 mil, at least half of KD's shoe deal. I think that would have been more deserving. Now, $75 million obviously is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, he's set for the rest of his life as long as he makes smart decisions just with that money alone, not even counting his NBA salary or other endorsements that he is no likely going to get. But the second I saw that deal, I was like, that's really low for Zion Williamson. But, you know, Jordan Brand has – you know his earnings his greatness his name attached to it so you could do a lot worse than Jordan brand but still i think they could have done a whole lot better than that <laughs> but uh hey that's what he got that's what he accepted so i look forward to the regular season all right to end the show uh this is kind of a, a bit of a depressing story uh that came out yesterday uh in regards to Jeremy Lin many people will remember him of lin sanity fame who, what was that, four to five years ago, had that incredible two-week run for the New York Knicks where he averaged 27 points a game. Um, they were winning ball ballgames, uh, including a victory over Kobe Bryant and his Lakers. And how after that, you know, he'd been shipped around a lot, traded, you know, was basically a backup point guard journeyman for multiple franchises. And as of now, he, he was on the, the team with the Toronto Raptors, so he has a ring, which he said he felt like he didn't deserve. But he is currently unsigned, so at an event um this is an annual event that he that he does uh, I'm trying to see here where the event was at uh but it was actually it's a motivational speech in Taiwan that he does basically every year or he has for the last few years for the christian outlet good t v um and basically, he talks about that he's he's hit rock bottom, he knows the only way is up but his rock bottom just seems to be getting more and more rock bottom for him. Free agency has been tough and he feels like in some ways the NBA has kind of given up on him. Do I feel bad for Jeremy Lynn? If all that is true, I feel bad for his suffering because I really do believe that he is suffering because of this. As a matter of fact, there are parts of this speech. If you watch it where he gets choked up, where he gets emotional and I don't want to see anybody suffering, especially in regards to the game that they love to play. But I, I don't like for him to suffer, but I don't feel bad for him not having been signed by a team and for his NBA career to most likely be over because he's made upwards of $60 million in his career, which for the billions of people who will ever exist on this planet, almost all of them will not make anywhere near half of that $60 million that he's made in his career. I mean, he goes from, you know, before Linsanity, sleeping on his brother's couch, actually while he was a New York Knick, sleeping on his brother's couch in his apartment in New York, to making upwards of $60 million. so I can't feel bad for him for that reason. He, he made it. You made it to the NBA. That means you're one of the best ever at the game of basketball for all the thousands, thousands of millions of, NBA, of players who never made the NBA. You made it, and he owned New York for two weeks. I mean, think about that, owning New York City being the talk of New York City for two straight weeks, meaning because it's New York City, meaning you're really the talk of the world for two straight weeks. I can't even, he owned it he owned new york for two weeks i haven't owned a block in this city that i've lived in my entire life oklahoma city for a day but he owned new york for two weeks so i can't feel bad about that because that's great that he did that and that's something that most people will never do and plus he can live off of his name he does a lot of speaking um so people know who jeremy lynn is in the nba um So he does a lot of speaking, a lot of community service events, and he can still continue to do that. So, yeah, it sucks that no team wants to sign him, that his career may be over, but he's got so many positive things that he was able to do in his NBA career that will help him throughout the rest of his life and that most people will never experience. Um, Do I hope he gets signed with a team eventually? Yeah, because I would like to see him out there. But, I mean, think about the best NFL players you know, think about running backs. And we talk about Ezekiel Elliott fighting for the kind of money that he wants. I mean, there are great NFL players. They're great Major League Baseball players who would never sniff anywhere near 60 million dollars worth of career earnings. And Jeremy Lynn got that. So he made it. You know, he's one of the few who actually made it and he's famous. and He'll still be able to do great things here moving forward. So for that reason, I don't feel bad for him at all. Um, And honestly, I don't think you should either. All right. Thank you for listening to the half a bird sports show. Again, this is solo Monday. Jay and I will be back later on this week with our 200th episode. We got a lot of things planned for that episode. It's going to be a lot of fun and we hope you enjoy it. It's going to be entertaining. So to my colleague, Jay, appreciate you holding it down as always to Mike, Bob and Wendy, the production team. Thank you for helping me out and doing what you do on solo monday to all of our loyal listeners to everybody back for season three of the show and anybody who has suggested the show to somebody else you are what makes the show what it is so we definitely appreciate that so please take care of yourselves be safe out there love somebody love your family and with that, it's the half a bird sports show peace